the three, I'm going to kind of um, pick up on some points that I made uh, two weeks ago just to kind of get us in the same frame of thinking, and then we're going to dig into a little bit deeper. Anybody been blessed by this entire series on deception? Amen. It's a big thing. We live in a world right now that is actively, actively, aggressively trying to deceive people. Um, it's always been that way since the fall of man, but it seems that in the day that we live, uh, man, it's, it's really hard to believe anything anybody says nowadays. And so we live in a world to where deception is trying to take root in the hearts of even the church. And so we're going to deal with some stuff tonight that's going to help you. So I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 3, Pastor Tim, and we're going to read. Just read one, uh, and I'll stop you when, when I'm ready. Amen? All right, let's get into it. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, Ye should not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that, there was, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her. Okay, let's stop ate. just for a quick second here. Now, this is really, really important, okay? There is a lot going on here. There's not a... There's a, I'll say it this way, there's a growing, um, growing population of theologians that do not take the Genesis account as it relates to the garden as literal. A lot of them believe that it's mythical, but it, but it, but it, um, it carries symbolic truth to it. It's, it's not far-fetched to think um, that it could be symbolic for two reasons. Number one, a lot of the revelation Jesus gave about the Father was in parables. The prodigal son story never happened. It was a story that he told to reveal a greater truth. So he constantly was revealing, revealing things about the Father and the nature of the kingdom through parables and stories and metaphors and symbolism and things of that nature. So whether this is literal snakes talking to people or if it's not, either way, the revelation of it is still accurate. And so I want to get into some things here because this is a big deal. Number one, it's important to understand <clears throat> that when God made Adam, the Hebrew word Adam, meaning neutral, it's important to understand that I, and I believe this fully, that when God made Adam, both man and woman was in Adam. I believe that when he separated woman, man's, a uh, woman, uh, simply man with a womb so all it means is that he pulled out of adam the female psyche are you hearing me the female psyche the female side of adam now this is some deep stuff here and i'm setting this up because this is important in other words adam now had a companion now that had a feministic side to her and this is important because if you look at the Hebrew word for soul or for psyche, are you with me now? It's feministic. So when, when, when he'll say, let patience have her perfect work. 
Are you hearing me? Let patience have her perfect work, not his perfect work. Many times throughout the whole Old Testament, the, the, the soul is, is also related to a female side of things. It will constantly say things um, like patience have her perfect work, uh, the soul, uh, her bitterness in Psalms. It talks about things of that nature. So it's important to understand which side of Adam was tempted by the serpent. It was his feministic side. It's the side of the soul, the psyche, the mind, will, and emotions. It's what is happening in the mind. That's where the temptation, that's where the conversation started. Initially, this is the origin of deceit, of deceptiveness. Where did it start? It started in the mind. It started in the side of Adam. That was the soul side of Adam. She represented the soulish side of Adam. Remember, I love this, the, Adam, the Bible says that Adam was a living soul, but Christ was a quickening spirit. I don't, know, I don't want to get too, too deep on this, but th- this is something to think about. This conversation that the enemy had with Eve, was, it was systematic, it was diabolical. He knew that if he was going to get to Adam, he was going to have to go through Eve. Because here, Eve had something that... Adam was going to, it was going to trigger Adam to actually uh, partake in what was leading. Something happened with the mic. All right. So I, I need you to get this. When the enemy is trying to get deception into your life, there is a certain gateway that he comes through every single time. Whether you know this or not, every one of you have triggers. And, you, and this, is the, this is the scary thing. You may know your triggers, but you're not the only one that knows them. The enemy knows your triggers. That's why, anybody ever made up their mind to serve God on a Wednesday and all temptation broke loose Wednesday night? Why do you think? (laughs) I mean, you was just, you was a soldier in the army of the Lord that morning coming out of prayer. I mean, you was, you was liking every Facebook post that you could to talk about scripture and you was ready to go. And then Wednesday night, the temptation that you desired Tuesday night that wasn't available was now available Wednesday night on the backside of a commitment that you made. Why? Because you're not the only one that knows your triggers. The enemy knows how to set you up to get you into a lifestyle of deception. He's not just offering you a lie. He's offering you a pattern of thinking that is that is rooted in deception. He wants your entire life to be to be a habit of deception. And he's patient. The enemy is extremely patient. He's been working on you since your mama. Since your daddy, it started before you was born. There's generations of stuff he set up that would affect you in your life. Before you even even took a breath, he was already working on you being born in deception. David said that you've shaped me in iniquity. You form, I was formed in iniquity. You know, let me just kill a sacred cow there. David wasn't suggesting all humanity was born in sin. He was saying he was. If you study David, David was a red-headed Jew. If you ever been to the Middle East, there's no red-headed Jews. That means daddy was sleeping with a Gentile, which was completely forbidden. This is why his mother's never named. David was shaped in iniquity. Daddy was doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden, you see all of the triggers in David's life. David was a man after God's own heart, but the dude had, I mean, anybody ever really read David? David? Not only was he a 
a professional killer. I mean, dude, they're singing songs about him killing 10,000 people. You would be on America's Most Wanted. And they're singing songs about it. Like, he killed 10,000. Like, dude, get away from me. You killed 10,000 people? But that's how they celebrated back then. It was a violent culture. David had triggers, though, and the enemy knew it. He knew it. Remember, y'all remember when David was supposed to go to war? And what happens? He gets up on his balcony. Why other people are fighting the battle he's called to. And he gets up on the balcony, and there's Bathsheba. And the enemy knew that she had to be fine. It wouldn't have been a temptation if he didn't like it. He looks up, and he sees her bathing. And all of a sudden, we know the story. The plotting begins. He ends up calling her to his royal room and doing things that he wasn't supposed to do with her, then tries to cover it up, then tries to uh, create a plot to where her husband dies in the middle of a war because he assigned him to the front line of the battle because she was pregnant and he didn't want her to know. And then all of a sudden, we see the, 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 the prophet comes and says, the sword will, ever need, it will never leave your house. And then we see Absalom and Tamar, we see he sleep with his own sister, and then the other brother Amnon comes and kills Tay, uh, 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 his other brother, and then the kingdom is divided again, and David once again loses the kingdom and is running for his life again, and all hell's breaking loose. Why? Because David had triggers, and the enemy knew how to get involved in his life. The enemy knows our weaknesses. He's been with you the whole time. Whether you know this, just like there is angels assigned to your life, there is demons assigned to your life. I'm te- we don't talk enough about this stuff. There is a real enemy that is trying to deceive us. This is why Peter said, don't give place to the enemy. He wasn't just talking about somebody that's mad at you. There is actually a hell that is against you. And it's trying to do whatever it can to deceive you. And if I'm telling you, one of the things that hell loves to do is give us our pleasures to keep us blind. Whatever satisfies our appetite, keep us blind. That's he knows your triggers. That's my point. And it's really important to understand that in this passage, we're going to get into this deeper. In Genesis 3, notice that the deception that changed the world started with the conversation. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Be careful what you entertain. Write it big, all capital letters. Be careful what you entertain. Temptation has a time limit. Flirt with it too long. It'll become fruitful in your life. I'm telling you, you flirt with it too long, your mind will start wondering, and then your mind is the gateway. Remember what I taught a couple weeks ago? Our minds is the gateway. Y'all remember that? What you think literally is giving permission into your life to operate. You are giving it permission to operate in your life. It is a gateway. Remember what scripture says. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Come on. Lift up your head, O ye gates. David is saying your heads are gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting door. He's literally saying that you and I, our thinking is a place of entrance or access 
to whatever we're thinking about, something's coming through that gateway. Something's coming through your thinking that is going to ultimately become a reality in your life. This is why Paul said, think on things that are pure and true. Come on now. You know, Paul was deep, y'all. Think on things that are pure and true. Anybody, I'm telling you, man, I, I, uh, anybody experience, uh, this is a symptom sometimes that I'll experience. If I start thinking on things that are negative, sometimes my body literally will start sweating. Physical sweat. And I'll be like, man, what is that? And then I have to think, no, I was just, I was just entertaining something a minute ago in my head that, that's, that's something that's causing my body to, to feel the pressures or the stress of whatever that thinking is. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a perverted thing. It could be something to where you're trying to figure stuff out in your own strength rather than trusting in God. And then you're feeling the load and the weight of having to do everything. And that God wouldn't want that on you either. And then your body, physic, I believe some of us are physically sick because of where our thoughts are staying. Keeping your mind on him is what keeps you in perfect peace. <laughs> keeping our mind on him is what keeps us in perfect peace so listen in genesis 3 the entire deception of man starts with a conversation what we entertain is going to eventually open up the gateway to everything that the enemy has purposed for you you have two purposes in life what God wants for you and what the enemy wants for you and which one are you going to walk out What we entertain is important. Can you say amen to that? All right, let's swing over to Genesis 27 just real quick. Genesis 27. We're going to read this famous story. About Esau and Jacob. Let's read. Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see, that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son, and he said to him, Here I am. Isaac said, Behold now, I am old and do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me, that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there, that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me when I will be as a deceiver in his sight and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. So, when, so he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made, a, made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were in her house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. She also gave him the savory food and the bread, which she made, 
which she had made to her son Jacob. Then he came to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please. Sit and eat of my game that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God caused it to happen to you. Okay, we know he's lying. Okay, we know he's lying, right? So deception is taken. There's a whole lot going on here. Number one, I want you to put this down if you're taking notes. Deception will always sell quick results. Put that down. Remember that deception always sells us quick results. Why? Because the ultimate leverage the enemy uses when trying to get us to believe anything is that he'll give you everything with no sacrifice. And this is why many of us do not grow, and this is why we stay in the lives that we're in, because we don't want to take the road that has sacrifice involved. And the truth is, you're never going to grow without literally going through seasons of sacrifice. If he did not allow his son to fulfill his purpose (laughs) without sacrifice, what makes you think he wouldn't make us do the same? You know, I love how scripture Peter says, you know, or Paul, I believe, says uh, to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. There is a price that has to be paid that we all have to pay in order to obtain what God wants us to get. Many times we back out once we see how serious that gets. I, uh, this last week, so, you know, my wife uh, sent her on a trip to Columbus, but, you know, she said, well, where do you want to go, baby? I said, I'll just take a couple days. She said, where do you want to go? I said, I want to I go back down to Battle Creek. I'm going to get a room in Battle Creek for two days. And I, what I want to do is I want to go down memory lane because God's doing something in me right now I just can't explain to nobody. It's in a weird way. I feel like I'm in a season just me and him. And uh, it's supposed to be that. And I felt like I needed to go down memory lane. And um, can, I, can I be real here? Huh? Yeah, I need a response on that one. Trust me. All right. Um, so when I was a child, some things happened to me at a very young age in a house that we grew, grew up in. And it happened behind the house in the barn. Um, The details of that are irrelevant. It's just what happened was something that has haunted me for years. It affects your psyche as a person. It affects your your, uh, identity as a person. And um, the last, I I was cool with it, man. I'm 40 years old. It hasn't really bothered me for years and years and years. But it seems like the journey of healing that God has got me on individually, I'm having to revisit some things to get some truth. And um, so I I go out to this house. Now, in Battle Creek, this is about 45 minutes south of Battle Creek. It's way out in the country. We grew up in the city our whole lives, but my mom had gotten a settlement, and for about four years, we grew grew up in this place called Delton, Michigan. And it's it's about the size of this church. And uh, a real small population, I think it's like 1,000 people. And uh, I hated it out there because we was a city boy. And, you know, we, we talked like we were city boys, and they would always make fun of us. It was a bunch of cornbread, white folk. 
they, I'd be like, man, look at that mug. They're like, man, what is a mug? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Make fun of us and, and uh, you know, stuff like that. So it was not a good situation for us. We was fighting a lot and stuff like that. So I hated that whole part of my life. So we moved out to Delton. And uh, all of this stuff that I needed to see was at this particular house. And so I go out there, and there's obviously a guy living at this house now. And uh, I said, hey, man, I used to live here. I was about 11 years old, 12 years old. I said, I just, I just wanted to come out and walk around. It's woods and big fields and stuff. I mean, it's nobody out there. He said, sure, sure, yeah, man, whatever you want to do. Come out and walk around. And So I went out and went behind the house and went through the woods and where the barn is out there. I went out to the barn, and I got a picture of it. I wish I could show everybody on the phone. The barn has collapsed completely. The barn has completely collapsed. Now, that don't mean nothing to you, but it meant everything to me. Because the place to where one of the most tragic situations in my life happened has now collapsed. And when I walked and I seen it collapse, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I tore that down. And I'm standing in the woods and I'm tearing up. As I'm looking at this place, I tore that down. That no longer exists. (laughs) The old man comes up to me at the house and says, yeah, this thing just fell down. It was just old, but, you know, I'm going to rebuild it. It's going to be a lot better. I said, man, you better preach. (laughs) It, it, It did something for me. I had to go down memory. This is where the Holy Spirit led me to go. I could have went anywhere to spend time and. But I needed to go and I needed to see this place. And you know what was crazy about this place? Is when I seen it and when I left there and I revisited it. New revelation about what really took place was given to me. That now in my older age I'm looking at it and it completely transformed the way that I've seen everything. The images that I had when it happened as a young man... For years, I had it in my head that it, things was a certain way, but actually when I revisited it, now being more mature in Christ, looking at it, I actually seen it with different lenses. And sometimes the Holy Spirit, when trying to break us free from certain mindsets of deception, he will have you go back and revisit things, but not through the same pain, the lenses of pain, but rather now through the lenses of his grace. And what it does is it brings freedom to you. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's amazing what he does. Most people don't want to take that journey because there's too much pain attached to it. But you'll never, ever conquer what you won't confront. You've got to look at it. You've got to go wherever the Holy Spirit leads. He's the ultimate ingredient that leads us to freedom. In every life, I could sit up here and I could say, as a pastor, I'm going to give you three ways to get free from your past. There's only one way to get free from anything, and it's the Holy Spirit. This the Holy Spirit. He may tell her to do something completely different than what he's telling me to do. But he knows what it is that has got me tied up and tangled up and in the mess that I'm in. And he knows how to unravel it all. It's the Holy Spirit. It's his ingredient. So I want, I want to go back to this here quick. Let's pick up where we left off. Are you with me? So watch this. Remember, deception, it sells quick results. Now watch this. Watch this next part. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come close that I may feel you, my son, 
whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Isn't it something how Rebecca, with her deceitful heart, she already knew the weakness that Isaac had. He couldn't see. She already knew the only way he was going to be able to determine who this really is is by touching, by feeling it out. And so she prepared for this. She said, go get this and we're going to put hair on you and we're going to do this and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you Esau's clothes because I know he's going to try to smell you. I know that he's going to try to feel you because he can't get any proof with his eyes anymore. Now, the only way he's going to find out who you are is he's going to feel you. So here's how we're going to invest in this deception. And she prepared for his weaknesses. This is what the enemy does. He prepares for your weaknesses. And the trap has already been set and he's, he's feeling. But notice this though. Notice what he, uh, Isaac says. He says, you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. See, the clarity was in the voice. It wasn't in what he was feeling. The truth that breaks the lie was in the voice. It was not in what he was feeling in the moment. This is why we are deceived, so many of us, because we're walking by our feelings. What we feel, what we feel is right. And that's the ultimate key. The enemy wants you to walk by your feelings because there he can get you. It's easy to to, to dictate how somebody's going to feel. Some of us, we just go through a little, we're having a good day and just get a little bit of negativity in our life and our whole day just goes down. Then we get into depression. Then what we do is we, we go home and we're sitting there, woe is me, and we're complaining and then we start talking negative and all this stuff just starts compiling on simply because you had a little bit of negativity in your life. And why? Because the enemy knows that if he can get you in your feelings, he's got you where he wants you. And that's where deception starts. I want to pull up this passage just real quick. Swing over here to uh, John chapter 10, 27 through 28. Everybody say the truth was in the voice. Wasn't in the feeling, it was in the voice. There's only one real way to not be deceived. People are good at lying. The enemy's been doing it since the beginning of time. He's real good at lying. There's only one real way to stay free from deception. And watch this. Let's read. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Hmm. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice voice my sheep hear my voice all through the new testament all through the old testament the body of christ is likened to sheep likened to sheep sheep are some of the most vulnerable animals in the world but yet even with their vulnerability they are still the most protected animal in the world why Because who protects them is a shepherd. They get access to a higher intellect simply because they're born trusting. People say, (laughs) 
That's a word right there. People say that sheep are dumb. Sheep ain't dumb. They're trusting. They're trusting. And it's the beauty of having a shepherd to look out for you. This is what's amazing about this. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice. When we are in Christ, the first thing that has to mature is our hearing as it relates to the Holy Spirit. You have got to spend time with God. You are, you are prone to be deceived with anything if you ain't got no prayer life. If you ain't spending no time with God, how do you expect to, to, to walk a, a, a life that's not um, easily deceived by the things of the enemy? He's not just casually trying to deceive you. For generations, he's been working on this stuff. It is a well-thought-out plan to deceive the world, to deceive the body of Christ, to deceive the sons and the daughters of God. And, and, and we just kind of just want to just believe in our hearts that he's God, but not spend any time, no fellowship, no nothing with him. The ultimate weapon that we have against every plot of the enemy is the Holy Spirit. And if you and I are not building that relationship, hear me tonight, if we're not building that relationship, we are literally throwing away the one tool that the kingdom give us in order to stay in truth. He is what leads us and guides us into all truth. There's certain people that you ever met somebody and the Holy Spirit said no. Don't look at them, but just say if they're here, don't look at them. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit said, no, that's not it. Have you ever had such an overwhelming feeling to where you knew it was the Holy Spirit and he would not let that thing rest until you responded to his counsel? And now how many have ever felt that and then absolutely did the opposite? And how many knew the aftermath of that was a tragedy? Why? Because he's trying to lead you. His voice is the ingredient. You got to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. And to do that, man, I'm telling you, to do that, God builds that that relationship with him so many different ways. One of them is fellowship. Another one is trial and error. I'll never forget me and Pastor Tim, man. I I tell this story often, but me and him, he just started, we just started the church pretty much. I don't know how long it was, but close to the beginning of things and Pastor Tim was coming, and we spent a time together, and I said, man, I got to go preach in Flint. I said, why don't you roll? So he came up and rolled, and, uh, you know, God has a prophetic gift on his life. And so we're, <laughs> we said, well, let's get somebody on the way home. We stopped at Subway. We're literally the last person in to Subway, and we're, we're getting ready to order our, our food. Now, I'm already feeling in my heart a word for this young lady. It was an overwhelming feeling that it was time to minister to her. But I said, you know what? It was almost like I sick the Holy Spirit on Tim. Like, this is a good time for him to learn this. And I know he was feeling it because I was feeling it. And so we ordered the food and he ain't bite. Bait's there. He ain't bite. Food. The customer that was in there left. She went and locked the door. We are literally in there in a locked door with an assignment. It's an assignment. The door is locked, y'all. And we're in there. So finally, I just looked. I said, man, are you going to obey God? 
What did you say to me again? I said something like, you gonna, man, he was like, oh. Like, you could see that God was dealing with them, but it was a trial and error. So finally, I, I think I ministered to her some things of that nature. I stepped up and, and did what God wanted to do, but it was a season to where God was giving him an opportunity to step out to build this relationship with the Holy Spirit inside of him. Right? And this is how the Holy Spirit would do it with us. That makes expect the Holy Spirit to come down and say, Tiffany, that man is not good for you. I got to go there with you because she's single, y'all. And I, I know, listen, I'm praying over this woman. With this, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm protecting her. I mean, he may be good. He may say, Tiffany, this man is good for you. I'll go that way with you. But it doesn't come that obvious sometimes. God only speaks at one volume. What determines him being loud or quiet is how loud your flesh is. He only speaks at one volume. And if your flesh is loud, he whispers. And if your flesh is quiet, it's loud. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You deny the flesh? Come on now, the spirit man is alive. He's alive. A lot of you are thinking you're in a season where God is silent. He's not silent. Your flesh just will not shut up. He's talking and talking and talking and yakking and yakking and yakking and yakking. That's why you can't hear God. That's why you can't hear God. Well, worship seemed a little dry today. That's because you was bumping nasty junk all the way to church and then you get to hear him want to worship. Your spirit's filled with junk. You cannot entertain the world that much and expect to just be alive in God. Come on now. <laughs> that flesh man. That's where the enemy creates the conversation. And then we entertain it. And then deception follows. Are you hearing this? He is the great deceiver. And I'm trying to get us to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one ingredient that leads us to truth. Here's another principle about the Holy Spirit. If he has not answered you yet and you're not fully convinced of his answer, don't move on it. Stay still until you get an answer. Don't put a time limit or a time restraint on the Holy Spirit's answers. Some will say, well, you got till tomorrow at 12 to speak. If he doesn't speak, don't move. If he ain't leading you, stay stationary. That may be his leading. Stay put. I've learned. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the most essential ingredient in our makeup. With the, whole, the church doesn't teach enough on the Holy Spirit. He's everything to us, guys. He's absolutely everything to the believer. Every time you do something, check in with the Holy Spirit. Check in with him. Is this something you want me to do? Do I participate in this? Do I follow you in this? Do I, do I, do you, do, is this where we're going or do you want me to, to remain? Everything. He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. That's his job. Our job is to be like the sheep that trust. seems like every time I teach on the Holy Spirit, it just gets tight. But it's needed to grow us up. It's needed to grow us up. 
You know, you would be amazed at how effective you would be in your life if you just give access to the Holy Spirit. Just real quick, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 3. Just Actually, let's go to John 16 first, verse 13. Watch this. John chapter 16, verse 13. I don't think I gave that one to you, but came to me during worship. But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all truth there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen and indeed out of all that I have done and said. Do you, do you, do you understand how deep it is? Tip, let, let me use you just real quick. Watch this. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Let's say that... Um, Here lies the revelation that you need that completely changes your life. Let's say this exact spot in life. This could be a year in the future, two years, ten years, whatever. It's futuristic, right? And maybe, watch this, the Holy Spirit, maybe you would think, well, then the the way to get there is to just to walk right to it, right? No, 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 no. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. Because it's power in the journey. You got to understand it. There's power in the journey. And every time he leads us, he's also dismantling lies. And some of those lies, because you went away from identity and you didn't just go like this, you may have went like this or like this or like this or like this and you was detouring all that stuff. What he'll do typically is take you right through the zigzags and show you truth in each one of them. He'll lead you and he guides you. Dismantle this lie. Let's go to the next one. Dismantle this lie. Let's go to the next one. Dismantle this lie. And then pretty soon, by the time you get here, you're now ready to bear the revelation. Because the revelation of God doesn't come for our ears. It comes from our heart. You have to bear it. Paul said endure sound doctrine. He didn't say just teach sound doctrine. We have to endure it. It's something that we have to bear. We have to, it's a weight that we have to come up under and allow it to do its perfect work in us. Sound doctrine is very important. The church don't want to hear about sound doctrine no more. But sound doctrine is important because without sound doctrine, we just are going to live any type of way that we want to live. And, 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 and scripture is full. This is what somebody who follows Christ looks like. He told the Ephesus church, he said, you have not so learned Christ. He said, don't walk as the Gentiles walk. The vanity of their mind, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's within them. He said, because their hearts are hard. Look at this next passage. Thanks, Tiff. I appreciate it. Uh, look, look, look at this next passage here. Uh, John chapter uh, 10. Or excuse me. Uh, he, let's go to Hebrews chapter 3, 7 through 11, just real quick. Y'all following me tonight? Okay, Hebrews 3, 7 through 11. I'm just trying to teach tonight. Let's, let's read this. Watch this. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. So why, why would the Holy Spirit say, if you hear my voice today, don't harden your heart? Why? Because he goes straight for the heart. <laughs> you want to hear the voice of the Lord? He's coming for your heart. He don't speak to your ears. Speaks to your heart. And the condition of your heart is where he's going to start this journey 
of unveiling the quality of his voice. You're going to hear it based off of your heart condition. It's very, very difficult to speak spiritual things with somebody who's got a bitter, bitter, bitter heart. Why? Because their heart was not protected. That's why scripture says, guard your heart with diligence for out of it flows issues of life. Guard it. Why? Because whatever condition this thing is in, man, it's going to spew out. And if it's dysfunctional, out comes dysfunction. So the Holy Spirit, don't harden your heart when you hear the Holy Spirit. Because he's going to deal with it. My point to you tonight is the Holy Spirit is what keeps us from deception. And I want to challenge you. Man, church, hear me. Hear me. How many genuinely really love God? Spend time with him. Throughout the week, man, dedicate time. Some of us are on Facebook for five hours a day. Man, give them at least an hour. Just start with with the minimal things you could do to just dedicate time, quality time to God. Get into your word. Let the Holy Spirit fellowship with your heart. And then start giving them access to every decision you make. Don't make the decision and then say, okay, God, just, you know, endorse my agenda. Don't do that. Don't. Make the plans until it's cool with him. You'll have a peace about it. Things will line up the right way. You don't have to kick doors open when favor's on your life. They open for you. You don't have to chase relationships when favor and purpose is on your life. It's called divine appointment. There's somebody praying right now that's meant to be in your life that's just waiting for you to pray so you know where to go to meet them. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is everything. I refuse to pastor a church that's not spiritual. We have to, guys, we have to spend time with the Holy Spirit. I can give you a million principles, a million stories about deception uh, two weeks ago was was very deep about some of the things that we're talking about with deception. I encourage you, if you ain't heard, to go back and listen to it. But listen to the Holy Spirit. He wants the best for you, and His intentions are coming from the heart of God for your life. Listen to the Holy Spirit and let Him determine what decisions that we make. He will keep you from deception. It's impossible to lie to God. They can lie to us, but they cannot lie to God. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will let you know as soon as that deception starts kicking in and things start uh, coming in. It, you know, it may not be a person. It may be, uh, it could be anything that, that's rooted in deception that's trying to control your life. Just listen to the Holy Spirit and watch how he says, don't do this, don't trust that, do this, do that. He will lead you and guide you into truth. That's all he is, is truth. He is the spirit of truth. And he'll lead you and guide you. So I just want to challenge you tonight. Listen to the Holy Spirit.